Hi, this is Lauren Rose from the It Hurts to Mom podcast. Did you know that up to 80% of our physical pain is actually from emotional pain? Don't miss your opportunity to get my new workbook called Exploring How Your Emotions Relate to Your Physical Pain. In it, you'll consider how trauma, trapped emotions, grief, and lack of forgiveness might be contributing to your chronic pain. This is not to say your pain isn't real. Actually, it's the opposite. Your pain, emotional and physical, is very real. It's only to say that there's a significant mind-body connection that most of us don't realize. Get your workbook today for only $7 at ithurtstomom.com under the shop category, because once you determine the connection, you might be surprised at the extent that emotions are contributing to your pain, and then you can start to heal what's trapped inside. And while you're there, don't forget my freebie, 30 Ways to Relieve Pain Without Taking a Pill, ithurtstomom.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the It Hurts to Mom podcast. I'm Lauren Rose, and today we're talking about having difficult conversations with our teens and preteens. Our guest is Nellie Hardin. She's a wife, mom of 14 girls, a speaker, a writer, and Christian family life and leadership coach. And she helps parents with teen girls go from hoping you're doing the right thing and just surviving these years to knowing you are doing what is right for your daughter and thriving as you set her up to take the lead of her own life before she even leaves home, which sounds like the right way to do it, right? <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and then I'll get into my laundry list of questions <laughs> that we may or may not get to all of them. <laughs> no problem. Um, well, uh, you gave a, a good uh, synopsis there. So yeah, my husband and I, we live on the East Coast of the United States. We have four daughters who are 17, 15, 15, and 13 right now. So always something happening in the house, always. We are passionate about passionate about serving and serving one another, but also serving um, outside of the home as well. And, you know, I was a, a young woman that um, I was 17 when I left home and went off to college. And I really didn't know back then, but I, I didn't have that solid foundation that I, I really needed in order to go off into the world with my worth, my esteem, my confidence intact so that I could go off into the world confidently. And, you know, it was no fault of my, my parents. They did the best they could with what they knew. And I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. But then when you send someone off into the world or when someone is sent off into the world without that foundation, then you end up chasing worth in all the wrong places mm -hmm. because you can't even recognize what truly is right. And so then, um, that led down to some really dark paths, especially my freshman year of college that then left me with decades of healing to go through. And then I turned around and I had four daughters of my own that I'm raising throughout this. And we went through our own um, health struggles uh, uh, within our family. We had, um, my husband had uh, cardiac failure at 32 and we didn't know if we were going to lose him. And um, so 
it really forced us as a family, even though at the time we had four kids, four and under, uh, it forced us to have hard conversations, even at that young age, I promise you it's mm-hmm. possible. So having those hard conversations and really coming together as a united team in order to be there for one another through the ebbs and flows that was that two years that we went through and then afterwards in the recovery. And that has really echoed forward in helping us with the connection, communication, and clarity to build this foundation for them. And I was I was really just called to help other families in 2012. My background is actually in animal science. I was a marine mammologist and worked in the veterinary and in captivity work. And so I went from animals to humans about 10 years ago, <laughs> starting with, uh, I guess, 12 years ago, uh, a little bit more. It started with my own family, right? And positive disciplines and um, uh, consequence work and uh, mindset work and vision and resilience, all of that um, into the much more messy human realm. But I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for it. And I, I work with uh, families raising kids in the second half of childhood today. Now that's great. Your Facebook page is called the 6570 project. Is that how you say it? Uh, yep. 6570. It's the family project, but yeah. And so I assume that refers to the number of days we have with our children before they turn 18. Yes, that's exactly what that is. So why do you think it's so important that we realize we have a limited number of days with them? Well, um, you know, I've, I've uh, read 18 summers before, and I really appreciate that. And, you know, my heart got into it um, before, but when we were going through our uh, health struggles and my daughter also, you know, uh, one of them um, almost drowned in my in-laws pool. And that was another huge eye-opening experience. Um, That was not too long. It was within two months after my husband's uh, cardiac surgery in 2010. But anyway, going through that and knowing what I went through and what I needed set up and then looking at them, I realized every day matters. And it does not mean that you have to be perfect as a parent. In fact, I would highly vote against perfect parenting because we have to teach our kids that it's okay to mess up. In fact, it's inevitable that you will. Failure is just a part of success and we need to own what we do and we need to move on and move upward from that. And so, um, but this time, the 6570, it's the training zone for your child to go go into adulthood with. And so this time, the 6570, these days are unlike any other time you will ever have in your parenting experience again. After the 6570, you become a consult of sorts. You become the lighthouse that they come to when something is needed or what have you, but you will never again have this everyday impact influence uh, period that you're having right now. And so during adulthood, anything that goes on is a reflection uh, and a reflex of what happened within the 6570. And if it changes, that's because some really hard work has had to be done on that adult's part in order to change those reflexes from childhood. And so understanding that these impacts, I call them the inevitable impacts, these impacts are going to happen no matter what. This foundation either strong or faulty is going to be built no matter what. And 
whether you are there or not, whether you are on good at it or not, whether you are terrible at it or not, whether you mean to or not, it's going to be built. So if we understand that, then you can understand, you know what, this is being built regardless. We might as well make it strong so that they can have a strong foundation to lean on, launch from, and stand on for the rest of their lives. And so that's really the basis behind that 6570 is build this foundation of worth, esteem, and confidence. So uh, with these specific tools that I we talk about, and then they will be set for life in every arena that they walk into. I think that sounds, like I said earlier, like the, the best way to do it. So what are some of the most difficult conversations to have with our teens and preteens and why are they so difficult to talk about? Um, well, one of the things we need to realize about our teens and preteens is, is this adolescence period. And it starts much earlier than you think. You know, I, I was just speaking over the weekend and there were some people in the audience that they're like, oh, well, my kid is only nine. My kid is only six, you know. But starting at about eight years old, about that, every kid is different, but first half of childhood versus second half of childhood, there's different parenting skills and mindsets that are needed in order to build what you are building. And so that starts at around eight years old. So I don't want anyone that's listening to think, oh, I only have an 11 year old or a 10 year old. I promise you that this pertains and any conversation you're going to have with them in their brain, uh, their brain is very much under development right now. Their, their prefrontal cortex and their frontal cortex, which is where all of that critical thinking that you and I, as parents that we use every single day, more and more and more, that is not even formed in them yet. Uh, an adolescent's brain is anywhere between like 75, 80, 85% fully formed and fully connected. And so when you're thinking about it in that way, a lot of these conversations that we go to have with them, it's not like what we have going on in our heads. So conversations look a little bit different than an adult to an adult when you're talking adult to a child or adult to an adolescent because their brain is not fully online yet. And when you can understand that, you can understand some of the reactions they have sometimes because you're like, what? You are being crazy. You're being so emotional. You're being so off the wall. Where did that decision come from? It's because that long-term consequence is not even registering yet. And so we as adults, the more we can understand their brains, the better these conversations can be. And so to get back to answering your question, I think any conversation where it makes them peel back a layer and actually look inside a little bit is going to be uncomfortable for them. They are, they can get real comfortable in today's culture makes it seem really comfortable to just live on the surface and I don't have to go below, but underneath is where that foundation is being built. And so we as parents have an obligation and honor and responsibility in order to have those difficult conversations with them. And again, that's anything peeling back that, that top layer of how is school? Fine. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> I want this good night. Good night. Right. That uh, many, many, many families go through the entire adolescence and drop their, you know, kids off in adulthood with just serving that surface. And we can't do that as parents if we want to give them that foundation and set them up to be the leaders of their own lives. Yes, yeah, so I know you talk about the 
five C's of having a difficult conversation. Can you walk us through those? Absolutely. So, you know, especially when their brain is not fully online, systems are key to them right then. Uh, We go through thinking systems and mindset systems and things like that, because it gives them a next step instead of them having to try and think of the next step when their brain is so foggy. And so five C's that we have to do and approach a conversation with is number one is calm. We have to be calm. So if you are, you as a parent are in a super stressed out, uh, state, you're super frustrated. Um, you are sad, all of these things. I'm not asking you to hide those things. I'm asking you to wait until you can be calm to have the discussion. And if that means you being really vulnerable and honest and saying, you know what, right now I'm just really frustrated and my emotions are high. It's not the best time for me to have a discussion with you, but we are going to talk about this later on tonight when I can calm down some. So let's, let's set aside some time at, I don't know, eight o'clock or so, or whatever that, that is for you to have this talk. And so you can approach it in a calm way. If you come into a conversation with heightened excitement, you are only asking them to have heightened excitement as well. And that is a recipe for a power struggle right there before you even get words out. And so you need to be calm. And then it teaches them also to approach a conversation in a calm way as well. So be calm. Next is to be curious. Ask the questions. Uh, and be observatory about this. And what I mean is uh, observatory, not accusatory. So you can't come into a conversation and be like, you are, right? And P.S., the you are statements turn into I am statements, which are identity statements later on. So don't come into a conversation with you are, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. Come in and say, I've noticed this. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? I noticed that this was your decision. Can you tell me and walk me through why you decided this? Can you tell me about what feelings led you to this? Can you tell me where this even came into your life, right? So be calm and be curious. You want to be observatory, not accusatory right there. And then the next one is to connect. So whatever they tell you in that scenario, I promise that you have something, some experience in your repertoire of life that can come in and uh, and accompany whatever they're feeling. You know, many parents today, I know I didn't, I didn't have my first cell phone until I was in college. And many parents today, especially in the second half of childhood, uh, tweens and teens, they're living a different middle school and high school experience than we did, but it's only because they have a different communication device and what's happening on that device. They're, they're facing uh, comparison. They're facing perfectionism. They're facing um, identity shifting. They're facing people pleasing. Um, they're trying to put masks on all of these things. We did that too. It was just in a, it, in a different light, right? And so when you connect with them, that is bringing in understanding so that they know they're not alone. You get it. You understand why they did that, even if it was a bad choice, right? Many, many times our adolescents are feeling a certain way, which they think then gives them a license to behave a certain way. That is the, uh, where we need to break the track right there. 
And so even though you can understand why they made the decision they did, you don't need to agree with it. And it's your job as the parent to teach them how to make a better decision about their behavior next time. Uh, and we say that all the time in, uh, you know, you ask a, a child, you know, what is going on? Why are you behaving this way? Well, I was mad. Okay, that's fine. We can talk about why you were mad, but that doesn't tell me why you behaved this way. So if you can break that continuum right there and let them know there's a checkpoint between your feelings and your decisions and your behaviors, then you can start having some um, understanding that is built within there. So that's calm, curious, connect. And the next one is cultivate. And cultivate is kind of the tennis match of the conversation. It is where, okay, so next time we're going to do that, you, uh, you can uh, work on doing this. What do you think about that? And it's also when you are reiterating what you think that they're saying, because every person in this world has a different perspective. Every 8 billion people not to mention all the people that have lived before us. And so when they tell you something, when your child tells you something, you need to come back and say, okay, so this is what I'm hearing. And you might be right and you're probably wrong. And so then they come back and they say, well, no, that's not exactly what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Okay. And it's this tennis match of going back and forth and cultivating this uh, solution that you are going to have. So next time we can fail better, right? Remember, bring fail into the success conversation because failure is just on the road to success and that's okay, that's good, it needs to be. Any scientific experiment, any time in history, any, uh, you know, a book goes through an editing process, it's not 100% the first time it's written. Uh, when they turn in a paper, it's the first draft, right? And then they get back and they do the second draft. So understanding failure is along the way. So that's cultivate. And then the last one is clarity. So before the conversation is ended, you want to come to this point of immense clarity of they understand exactly what you talked about and what the next steps are. And you understand what you talked about and what the next steps are. Because if you leave, if you go through all of this, but then you leave a conversation without clarity at the end, there was no point in having the entire conversation to begin with. You are putting yourself on a repeat cycle and this will happen again tomorrow or next week or next month if you don't finish with clarity at the end so that everyone knows exactly where they stand and what next steps are. So again, that's a calm, curious, connect, cultivate, and clarity. I, I love all of those. I'm not sure which one I like the most. Definitely calm because it, it shows like you said, our children, that this is the way that we approach difficult conversations so they can learn that in their own lives. And I really like the the curious one too, um, trying to get the, the, the children to use their, you know, com not completely developed logical thinking to kind of walk through what made them make these decisions. And, but then there's the connect. I, I just like all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one I like the most, but it's definitely well, they're all necessary. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just looking through them going, Hmm, well, that one's a good one, but wait, that one's great too. But also, so why is it so imperative to, you know, listen to our children? What does that do for them? Well, 
every person on the planet has five basic needs. And in our teens and tweens, it is even more exponentiated and because of that brain development that they have going on. And that is to be seen and heard and love belong and purpose. And so listening to our kids is us hearing them. And it is us telling them what you have to say is worthy of my time and attention. What you have to say matters. You matter. And then when someone understands that they matter, they can start then developing even more intentionally toward their best self. It is when so many kids out there feel like no one sees me. So what do, what do I matter? I can go and be rambunctious. I can go and be chaotic. I can go and break the law. I can hurt myself. I can hurt others because they don't feel like they are seen and heard and love belong and purpose. And so that piece right there, when it's important to listen to them so that they know that they are worthy and that they are, uh, they matter and that they are heard. And I really want to hone in on this because it's so important because I grew up in an environment where I wasn't seen and heard. I wasn't allowed to have emotions. My dad would say, you're just a child. You have no reason to be sad or you have no reason to be angry. You're just a child, things like that. So I, I just started keeping all of my emotions and my opinions and my thoughts and my preferences and my desires in, and that really started a path of chronic pain that started with migraines and headaches because mm -hmm. I was keeping so much in and that's very destructive. Yeah. Got to remember that our, our children, even when they're very young are still people and they've got their own opinions. I mean, my daughter's very opinionated, and, <laughs> you know, she's barely 10. She's got her own thoughts about the world and, and she's, she's pretty black and white these days. So we're kind of having to show her some of the gray areas in life, but she's got her own feelings and we try to create an environment where she's free to respectfully express anything that she's feeling and thinking because she's got her own little brain and it, right. it works and it's not exactly like our brains. Absolutely. And like you said, it's always important to remember we are raising another, the beginning of someone else's life. And so for that reason, I call parents architects because we, an architect plans, design, designs and builds. And we, as parents are planning, designing and building the beginning of someone else's life that will impact them for the rest of their life. And honestly, generations to come. And so that is a really big responsibility. That's a, it's really, really hard. No one in the history of parenting has ever said parenting is easy and it's for good reason. Parenting is one of the hardest things that you will ever do. And that can go against, you know, raising multi-million dollar uh, Forbes companies or what have you. Parenting is hard. It's why you see some people that are, that, um, you know, choose to do the job, do the really hard job because being home and just being responsible for that other person's life was too hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was not anything against working parents that I, uh, was coming from that football player that was like, oh, I was home for a while. No, that's not going to work. I'm going to go back out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think working parents are awesome. I'm a working parent. Uh, but my point is that it is very hard and we are raising other people. Their brains are different. And 
when we can come to that and understand this person has a perspective that can grow you, right? Kids are some of the most undervalued ideas because yes, their brain isn't working exactly the same way as an adult's brain is yet, but there is beauty and creativity and abundance in that as well. So when you come home from work as a parent, this feeds into that, you know, here you see you, uh, you come home from work or you come home from the grocery store or whatever as the parent. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm having this situation right now, and maybe you can help me with this. And I am trying to talk with a friend, but they aren't listening to me. Have you experienced this? And what would you suggest? You can ask your child that if they are four, if they are 10, if they are 18. And the fact that you as a parent, as an adult is asking the opinion and perspective of them already just uplifts them and says, wow, what I have to say and my ideas matter. And it doesn't matter if you take them up on that or not. What matters in that moment is you building them up because you want to hear their perspectives and ideas on something going on in your life. And it's really, really powerful. That is a great idea. You know, I, I listen to my daughter, you know, when we're having a conversation about something, but I've never, I don't think I've ever gone to her and asked and just mm -hmm. specifically asked her opinion about a situation. I think that's really interesting. So what are some alternatives to a conversation in case the teen or preteen's brain is malfunctioning at that moment? Yeah, which happens a lot. So it's yeah. really hard because their critical thinking, their uh, long-term consequences and risk factors are not online yet. It can be really hard for them to formulate when their emotions are high to formulate sentences that actually make sense for them to say things that they're not going to then turn around and regret for them to not build up emotional walls in order to protect themselves because they feel like they're being bombarded right? All of those things. So sometimes another option that you might have is for them to write a letter. Um, this is something that uh, has been done widely for a while. We definitely use it in our home and, and we teach it. So if something happens and you try to approach calmly and curiously, and you, you can tell if you're not getting anywhere, then you can say, okay, uh, if, if you could right now, well, not if you could, you're the parent, you're the leader. So uh, can you please go upstairs right now and, or wherever, and uh, write a letter, just write a letter to me and tell me why you made the choices you did and how they would be different next time. If you think they should be right. And then they go upstairs probably in a huff, but when they are up there and, or wherever, and they are focusing on words then all of those thoughts actually get clarity on a page and they can sort through things. They're at slower pace. They can be very intentional. They can write something down and see, you know, that's actually kind of mean or that's not kind, that's not respectful. I'm going to erase that, right? It's much harder to erase words that come out of your mouth than it is words that are on a paper. And so that technique with uh, adolescents especially can be so, so powerful and clarifying for them to just sort through their own minds and their own heads. And many times when they come to you afterwards, they have already had the reconciliation talk with themselves. And now it's just up to them having it with you because they've come to understand what they did, what better choices they can make next time. 
I think that's an excellent idea because me personally, I'm much better at writing when it comes to difficult conversations or, you know, my feelings or things like that than I am at talking because I need a little bit of time to process. So a lot of times in conversations, I'm not fully reconciled myself, right? right. Like you're kind of just saying, so I can do it a lot better on paper. There's a lot of pressure on young girls these days. I mean, my daughter, just like I said, just turned 10. There's TV, celebrities, magazines, social media, even other girls. What are some ways we can navigate these pressures with our daughters? Meet them head on. Honestly, don't try to sweep anything under the carpet. Um, don't try to avoid conversations. You need to be, uh, you need to be very, um, uh, open and available to those conversations and staying calm too. And so, um, so when they come to you and those conversations are being had, then you can be calm and they can, you can, uh, be approachable because when they come to you with something that is making your skin crawl, which they will absolutely, and it will happen. And everything in you is just like, Oh, I don't want to talk about this. This makes me very uncomfortable. Um, and, but you need to be calm on the outside because if, if you aren't the person that they can go to who is. Is it going to be a friend who also has a very developing brain right now, right? Under construction brain. Is it going to be a friend's parent that you don't know that well? A teacher, uh, the internet, right? Are they going to learn life through TikTok? And so you need to be able to be very approachable in that and meet it head on. So that's the first thing. Second of all, use media. And so what I mean by that is the news or shows or uh, movies that you go to, whatever that is, use that as a sounding board for conversations. So if you go to a movie and there is a character in there that's having a, a young woman that's having a really hard time and uh, for this, that, or the other, ask your daughter, wow, yeah, I noticed, um, you know, I, I don't know why Harry Potter is coming into mind. So let's just talk about Hermione for a second. And so, uh, you know, I noticed Hermione was being really sassy during that time. Um, why do you think that was right? And it was because she felt it was the only way to be seen and heard. And she was, um, she was, um, uh, insecure. Right. And so then that's a conversation that you can have about that, about how some of her inner feelings then came out in her behavior and talking about that. Um, when you're talking about social media, there's news after news after news, uh, that you can go into. And even if you don't want to get into the details, you can just say, oh, well, you know, there was this young woman and unfortunately she was, uh, um, on social media and met somebody there and it led to some really dark things. Did you know that people, random people can, uh, con uh contact you through social media and that can be really dangerous. That's a springboard for another conversation right there, right? They need to know these things. And the more that you can come to them and approach them and have calm conversations, especially if you're having them from a third party uh, perspective. And what I mean by that is it's not an issue between the two of you yet or, or for your daughter yet. 
you're noticing an issue and having a conversation about it, then when and if that issue does ever come up in, in their lives, they'll have some background in order to understand how to go through that, um, you know, thoughts, feelings, decisions, and actions uh, cycle that they have there. So yeah, you want to talk about what's going on in school, talk about what's going on in the world, talk about what's going on on social so that she has something to lean on when these things approach her. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of having life conversations, whether that be about finances or about yeah. life lessons or about relationships or whatever it is in, you know, your your daily happenings. I, I think that's a great way because your kids don't want to have you sit down and get lectured about every life lesson that they need to learn, right? So, right, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about power struggles for a minute. My mm. daughter, you know, like I said, she's 10. And we've already been having power struggles with her for a couple of years now. So with with her, um, a lot of it's her anxiety. So her amygdala takes over and mm-hmm. wants to be in control. That fight or flight thing comes on and and it it gets it gets really heated. So we try to to give her some compassion because we know that she's got pretty bad anxiety Mm -hmm. and we try to understand okay this is just her anxiety she's not wanting to behave this way and so we try to stay calm you know once we've kind of realized that that's what's going on um every power struggle is going to be you know from a different place but do you have suggestions on how we can eliminate some of these power struggles with our daughters yeah so i mean the the easiest uh, thing to always understand with power struggles is it takes two or more to have a power struggle. And Mm -hmm. so if it is between you and your daughter per se, then don't struggle and she can't struggle. I mean, just literally think of it like a rope. If you are not playing tug of war on your side, she can't play it on hers. And so a great saying that I have, and just a reminder when you're uh, approaching a power struggle is drop the rope, pull up a chair. So just Mm -hmm. drop the rope. Don't participate in the power struggle. She will really want to participate in this power struggle because it is releasing endorphins in her. It's getting her excited. It's almost like gamifying I'm winning. And a lot of those uh, neurotransmitters are going on in her head. Like you said, she's uh, working from the amygdala. And so if you then subdue that and you drop the, you know, figurative rope, hopefully not the literal one, but the figurative rope and uh, you're there, then you pull up a chair, you get on her level, you stay calm, you follow this uh, five C's that we talked about. And if she can't be calm yet either, because, you know, you can be calm all you want, but if they are not calm, you can just say, you know what, I understand that you're not calm enough to have this discussion right now. So I'm going to come back in a little bit, right? And then we can. So they understand that it's also their responsibility to calm themselves and to uh, approach this as a mature young woman, right? And so, um, yeah, drop the rope, pull up a chair, get on their Mm -hmm. eye level. There's no power differential, like physically look at them in the eyes. Uh, we have knee to knee conversations in our house where we sit cross cross applesauce on the floor and our knees are touching when you are that close, then your eyes can't wander nearly as much. Sometimes we put our heads together when we're doing that. Sometimes we hold hands when we're doing that. No, I realize that not every kid is going to be 
welcome to that much uh, closeness, proximity, or touching. And that's okay too, but you can still sit close. You can even, if they're on their bed, you can sit on the floor, right? That really uh, juxtaposes the power differential there. And then you can just be real with them, be real and raw and say, I love you and I understand you, but we need to talk through this because what's happening here is not working. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, drop the rope, pull up a chair, uh, make sure you're in a physical way that you're not domineering over them. Make sure they are calm for the conversation as well, so that you can go through the five C's that we talked about earlier. So one of the power struggles we had in the last couple of months, it was time for her to go to bed, <laughs> which mm -hmm. sometimes is a power struggle. Mm -hmm. And I told her to turn off the TV. So we turned off the TV. We were fighting over the remote. She, you know, grabbed the remote. She got on the top of the couch. So she was physically domineering over me. Right. And, you know, at, at that point, so getting on her level, I would have had to get up there too, but that didn't seem like a great idea. So in, in that point, do we just let her stay in the physically domineering, you know, position and just, you know, like, like drop the rope and stay in the in it, quote unquote inferior position just to, to keep it calmer? So in that situation, I would have just not given heed to what she was doing. She was obviously trying to get a reaction and a result that she, as, as the parent, you were not going to give her. And so when she grabs the remote, you just calmly say, you cannot do that. That is the remote. Can I have it back, please? And then she says no, or what have you. I would just continue off and maybe say you're going to bed at that point. Say, well, I'm going upstairs there. The TV is not coming back on and it is bedtime and then start shutting down the lights, doing the bed, say, I want to talk with you. I want to talk to you about this, but it is uh, right now it is bedtime. So if you want to talk about this tomorrow, then I am more than willing to do that. But right now it is bedtime. And um, so we've had to do that many of times, just a postponement of what you're talking about, because they want to do it right then and there. They want what they want when they want it. And then if they can rope you into a conversation, they're getting what they want anyway, because it's late. And so just understand. And I have uh, two of my kids are late night talkers. And there's been many times they're in our room at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. They're like, so, you know, what do you think about this? And we're like, no, honey, it is bedtime. I will talk to you about this tomorrow. Well, I was just thinking, I was like, I understand. And I can't wait to talk to you about this, but it will be tomorrow. Right. And so just really putting your, your uh, stake in the ground and saying, this is what is happening right now. And I'm sorry that you don't like it. And any qualms that you have about it, I will be sure to listen to tomorrow, but this is what is happening right now. And you just need to be firm as, as a parent, as you know, we work together as a team, as a family, but parents are the team captains. And so think about it in basketball and in gymnastics and anything, right? You need to be able to then show the team what they need to do and they need to fall in line and there's going to be resistance in that, but they eventually will get it as long as you are leading in the way that they are receiving. Okay. Yeah, one strategy that you kind of mentioned um, that I've figured out when my daughter is engaged in a power struggle and I can't get her to submit is to leave the room because mm -hmm. she's no longer getting attention and I will I will go lie down on my bed you know turn the lights off 
because if she's not getting that attention, she's not wanting to, to do that anymore because it's not serving her a purpose, you know, right. standing on, on the, on the couch with a remote, holding it up in the air, trying to get me from, I'm not, I'm not even there. It's not doing her any good. Yes. Yes. And I would agree with that. And um, it, you're just uh, taking the fuel away from the fire at that point, which is good. What you don't want to do, which it doesn't sound like you are, but for any listeners listening, what you don't want to do is go to your room. I don't want to see you, or I don't want to see you right now. You're driving me crazy. Or, you know, any of those things that construed can say, you're not worth my time right now because you're driving me nuts, right? You don't want to do that. What you do want to do is assure them that you love them, you care for them, and this is what the answer is right now. And I want to hear your thoughts when you are ready to share them in a respectable manner, right? I want to know everything that you're thinking and feeling, but you have to be able to share it with me when you're being respectful. And when that is tomorrow, then we will do that right? Um, but yeah, leaving the room is is great. You just want to preempt it with you are worthy, right? I, mm-hmm. I hear you and I see you, but your behavior right now is not okay. And so I, I'll talk to you when you can be respectful. Yeah. What I tell her is, you know, I'm going to go lie down because I want to go to bed too. And when you are ready to calm down and go to bed, you come get me and I will mm-hmm. take you to bed. <laughs> Well, this has been so great. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we get more information about you and about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, NellieHarden.com. That's N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N. You can find everything there. My social communities. We have YouTube, Instagram, Facebook communities, um, and uh, even uh, free and um, uh, complimentary parent masterclasses you can find on there and all of the information and other places that um, the 6570 Family Project has been is all on there. Love it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any health, parenting, and life advice. For my freebie, 30 Ways to Relieve Pain Without Taking a Pill, go to itherstomom.com slash tips or at itherstomom on Instagram. If you have comments, suggestions, or want to be on this podcast, please email me at itherstomom at gmail.com. I wish everybody a blessed and pain-free day.